you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That we can line up our thoughts and our bodies, everything inside of us, every spot that's maybe been locked away, you can draw us out. That's what you do. You wanna draw what's inside to come out and express and share. So we thank you, Jesus. All this imagery of the breath and our lungs and our bones crying out. We just thank you that we can be completely whole all the way through in you, Jesus. So we again just say as a declaration, do it again, God. Come like you've come before. It's nothing less than what we expect of you. You are enough for us today, God. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, crew. Feel free to take a seat. This crew has been going all weekend. Um, I think they led worship Friday night, three times on Saturday, and then this morning. Thank you, Kira, for leading the charge. Let's give it a hand. Yeah, that's Kira. Some of us call her Kyra. Um, that's just the way it goes. So that's an, that's an old school quote. She's been with us for years and is just one of our great leaders, and we're so proud to have her with us and leading. So, okay, well, let's, let's do a couple things. Yes, there are middle schoolers that would like to stand and go. They're gonna get to hang out with Ryan today. Middle schoolers, you can head out that way. Normally, I get to hang out with you guys, but I'll be in here, so we're swapping. Boom, boom. And the whole church leaves. <laughs> that joke doesn't get old. I think Ryan said that three weeks ago. I used it up. It's like they're empty, empty, empty seat. Um, so quick, I don't think we have huge amounts of announcements. I'll throw this one at you though. This week we have Abide and I think coming up here, it's been really cool to experience this place again, full of people and interacting in worship. That's kind of what we've missed for many, many months and days. And we all know that, but we're beginning to gather again and we're doing all that and getting used to being around. But this night is super important for the direction of who we are, that praise, prayer, intercession, worship, all mingled together with different voices and diversity is extremely important to where we want to walk in our lives and how we grow. So feel free to maybe set that aside. If you can on Thursday night, join for a little bit. It's like a prayer room style. So you can come at 6.30 and leave at 6.45, or you can come and stay till, I think Nisha will probably just keep going till like nine, you know? <laughs> It's, it's 638, but she'll just keep going. So she's leading the crew. I think I might be there this week. Um, so anyways, that's our one announcement. Behind, I think the holiday bazaar is coming up too. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I know it's a holiday market, so it's coming up. And that, was, that was a little zing. Just let's just join the, join the Andy and Kim show. <laughs> <laughs> that one's been going too. So my name is Andy. If we haven't met or you're new here, um, I'm the bald guy with the smiley face. I, I don't have Pete's hair or Ryan's hair. They're pretty flowy. Or even Nisha's hair. They all have these amazing manes of hair. This is my lot in life. I, I don't know what it left me, but this is, this is bald Andy, uh, the bald prophet uh, teacher. So... <laughs> so
So, uh, hello, if, if you're, you're new here. I do a lot of stuff around the church. I've been part of this family for a long time. I'll probably jump into some of that story. Um, a lot of times right now, I'm working with the youth in the back. Our middle school and high schoolers, we have about 10 volunteers that work alongside me together, and we want to help kids transition from that point where they're following Jesus with you as a parent, me as a parent, to moving towards that high school, college, where they begin to pick up following Jesus on their own. And that is a super scary transition for parents, and we love to be part of that and give hope that that journey can be uh, hopeful and beneficial and full of life instead of a a fight for control. So uh, that's some of what I'm doing. I help around the building. This is more building than we ever thought we would have. And so it's, it's, there's a lot of, I mean, I think we had a transformer break on, sun, on, on Friday night and, and then two bathrooms go out. That's pretty much a normal occasion here in this building. So I help with that, um, with the production team, helping make sure this stuff gets out. The story goes to people that are sitting in their homes um, and enjoying uh, family in their space. Um, but I think the main thing that I did for years and years and years was I led worship for about 15 years. I, Garris, my pastor, Garrison Jan, hired me just a bit after he hired Ryan and Kate to be the youth pastors to lead worship. And so that's kind of my background. I put the guitar down just for a bit today so I could come up here and share some heart and some... Uh, some pictures, some visions, some stories from who I am. So that's a little bit of jump in. My wife is Andrea right there. Oh, my daughter Marcella's here too, yay. <laughs> um, so she's a teacher over at Lone Pine and the most consistent, stable person I know in my whole life. So that's, if you've met Andrea, that's who she is. And it's a good thing, it's not a joke, yeah. It's not like those stable, boring people. It's like the stable people that help keep us from being terrible people. That's what she is, so. <laughs> yeah, give her a cheer. So I'm gonna just jump in a little bit. We're, we're gonna be talking about the body of Christ and it can be really sometimes a theoretical conversation and when we're talking about these different metaphors in the Bible that are real things, they're like flesh, but they're also metaphors that Paul, this you know really smart guy, wanted to explain in a way that we could understand. And we've been talking about family and community, the vine and the branches abiding in me, as Kim shared last week. That we, we're trying to go through some of these, they're metaphors, but they're more than that. Um, and so I'm like body of Christ. That's, oh, this is on my heart. I'm ready to go. Let's, let's jump into this, you know, type thing. And I know um, in a few weeks, I think next week, Nisha's gonna share. And I learned my lesson, just a side note. Anytime you're in a group setting or you're doing like a, a, a birthday party where everybody gets to share like something special about somebody and there's the sharing time, always go before Nisha. That's... <laughs> And I hope she listens to that. That's my plan is just go before Nisha. She'll break the game when it gets to her and say something deep and profound and powerful. So I'm like, this is perfect timing for Andy. <laughs> so I came to Living Waters and met this crew. I was 13 and I came from Klamath Falls in the frozen tundra and moved over here with my family and we had grown up in church and there's a whole nother story of 
our journey with the body of Christ in Klamath Falls, but mine kind of really took on for myself what it was like to be part of a crew, to be part of people that are sharpening and growing together when I came here. And I remember the first night I came to youth group in Medford and I met a friend named Kate. And Kate Roden, or then Kate Nelson, had this whole crew of people around and Kate Bruce too, where she, she's right, yeah, right there. So there was a, there's a couple of us that are still around, just hanging on. <laughs> and I mean, like, what am, I'm like, I'm 43, so that's like 30 years ago. So we've been friends for 30 years, right? But those first few years were the ones that kind of unified me into connection with people that would spur me forward and not pull me backwards. And that was simply an answer to prayer that my mom prayed every single day that I would have friends. You know, like that was, that was just a mom prayer that opened that up in the heavenly realms and brought it to earth. Whatever that looked like, that was my mom. And she's over there. That's my mom and dad. <laughs> they, just, they just moved back from Salem. So I like to say, there's my mom and dad again. There's my mom and dad. Sorry, sorry about that. Anyway, so I began to build this crew and that was my middle school and high school time of different kids from all these different schools. We come together at youth group. I didn't have the friends at school that many of us maybe had great friends at school. That was not my story because I was new, but I had the friends, the diverse group of crazy people from all these different schools. Once a week, I would see them. And that was the kind of thing that like would take me one step further, week after week through all the turmoil of those years and lead me to the, the next friendships and the next places the Lord was leading me. And so that kind of became what I thought and really is the source of my story with what I think the body of Christ is. And I believe it's just a gift. And it's hard, um, it's hard to sometimes have what we've been through through some of these years and there's lots of division and disagreement and fighting and we have 2,000 years of denominations being made and you know this church and this church that's that's kind of it's hard sometimes to be like is it really a gift he you know but for me like if I go to the root the bottom spot I think about meeting a friend named Kate and I think about later meeting Ryan because of Kate and those people that would push me forward wouldn't let me kind of go back to my old way and would help, hey, let's go this way. I don't know what I would have done without that kind of connection. And I know not all of us, that's our story. I know, you know, like circumstances, different things, we may have not had this interaction with what the Bible calls the body of Christ, but that doesn't negate the gift of the body of Christ. And so that's what I wanna share there's also a mission of the body of Christ. I believe that there's something broader than just giving and receiving with each other that the Lord is leading us into. But let's jump into this, okay? We'll get, we'll get through this, and at the end, I wanna give us a chance to respond. There's my clock, awesome. I'm so good here. So this is in Ephesians 4.16, and I'm only allowed to read from this Bible translation, Ryan said. And I, I thought it would have been funny to have like six Bibles up here and be like, not that one, not that one. He's not that strict, but it would have been funny, right? <laughs> He's like, I don't like that one. I don't like that one. 
But so we're gonna jump in. This is in Ephesians. Remembering that the people in Ephesus were so much like us in our world, very divided, different subgroups. You had the, the Greeks and you had the Roman government people. You had the slaves. You have the free people. You had all these different divisions. It's very much like what we live in. So many different divisions down. And Paul's trying to talk to these people that have heard about Jesus. Now they're gathering around Jesus, but how are we supposed to do that in our homes? How are we supposed to do that when we go out in our city? How are we supposed to do any of this? Because I have, I'm part of this division over here. I'm a part of this crew over here. I called myself this over here. All those different things are what's in place in the church or the little family table gatherings that was the church in Ephesus. So he's trying to say, here is the way to push back on all those powers and all those influences and all those things that would seem to want to divide. Here's how you as believers, as ones following Jesus should look like. This is how you should operate. This is a picture and also like a flesh lived out reality, okay? If that gets us started here. So this is in 416 of Ephesians. He says all this stuff, like no longer will you be tossed to and fro. You won't be influenced by people. You'll be able to push back on the lies of all these divisions. And then he says this, oh, it's actually in 15. Instead, we will speak truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ with the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. The way this is, that, that, that word, it says like that um, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head, uh, a lot of translations and different ways, that actually can be more, more uh, better understood as the word source. The head it's not just leader, it's not just authority, it's a broader phrasing that he uses throughout all of it. So that's a bigger conversation, but let's just input the word source in there for us, okay? When we think about the head of the body, the source, the nervous system, this connection to all the other parts, we're just gonna say Jesus, the source, okay? For just our journey today, um, just so we... We're on the same page. That's, that's, that seems like a good interpretation. Because <laughs> there's a lot in there about headship and that sort of thing. But this is, as, as I've thought about it and read um, and talked with Ryan, it feels, it feels like a, a good way to, for us to understand this. And he says, as we choose to follow Jesus, we're recognizing Jesus as our source. There's some step that we've taken to be like, you are my source, not just like my, my Lord and their Lordship is there, not just this, but you are the design. You are the central example. You are the thing that is forming me and then forming me into this diverse body of believers, this body of Christ, so that I can, it says, grow so that I can be a help, so that I can do a special work, so that the whole body can be healthy. I love that part, because it's, it's just not talking about healthy individually, it's healthy collectively. And man, I sure would love that for the whole body of Christ all the time, and that's what Jesus wants too. 
but it's not like a static process. If you really think about this, people coming to Jesus, coming to Jesus, building this body, it's not like there's a body, it's done. Like for 2,000 years, people have been coming and been part of this body and they just keep getting added to the body. And there's more and more parts in the body, but the body's whole and it's finished and it's fixed, but it's also getting added. It's this crazy mystery that he's trying to explain in terms that we might understand. So he, another spot he's gonna jump into is explaining all these different parts and should we be this part or should we be this part or what this part. But the bottom line we have to receive is that the body of Christ is a gift. It's giving and receiving. There's a process of both happening. I know Drew talked a few weeks ago about kind of radical hospitality. And to me, like that's, that's the giving and receiving, that you have the ability every hospitable moment where we're being radically stepping out of ourselves is a moment where there's giving and receiving. And we may be on both sides of that equation at, at different spots in our life. I know for me growing up in Klamath Falls, we didn't have much family. It was just our, me and my two brothers, my mom and dad, we didn't know a lot of people. And somehow the family became the body of Christ the people that we really look to for support, the people that we really look to for help, we got to receive for a good season when my dad's working like two jobs and going to college and all this stuff. And my mom has a crazy redhead at home and he's the worst. And we need, we need help and we need clothes and we need, you know, cause it's just, you're, you're struggling. You're a young family. I think my parents were like in their twenties when they had three kids. I'm like, yikes, that's, that's a lot. It's a different time, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we had this family named the, the Fimbers. I remember them. And they, I don't know how it worked out, but they ended up being our landlords. But they also went to our church and they also gave us hand-me-down clothes. And they also cut our rent sometimes to make it work for us. They also helped us with firewood. They also, you know, like that, they just kind of became our friends. And, and I remember their, their sons and they had the best toys, like the He-Man and the G.I. Joes. And... <laughs> And they grew out of those toys and those toys came to me. And there was that, that whole kind of receiving, a lot of receiving for us. But what that set us up as a family, and I remember this, is that we were able also to be giving out. And I would sit with my dad and he'd be finishing up, you know, church on Sunday morning and he would stay for another hour, it felt like. You know, the kids growing up in church, you're like always there. And you stay a little longer and a little longer, but you're like, here's how I could help out. Here's how I help out. Then my dad's helping, telling me and my brothers to go cut some wood and help along this crew, or we learn this kind of giving and receiving story. But it started because we needed a little bit of receiving time. And I know some of us, that's where we're, we're oftentimes landing in the body of Christ. If it's a gift, right now I need to receive that gift because I don't have anything to give out. And I completely understand that this is not negating the idea that somehow we're always just stepping out and giving, 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 giving. That's just the sacrificial way of it. It's a pace. There's a tension of giving and receiving. When we talk about Jesus as the source, what do you think they would, these ancient people, these people in Ephesus, these people trying to figure out who Jesus is, what made him so Unique. What made that story, when they think about who should I follow, so different when he showed up? And I was listening to this kind of 
theologian guy and he was sharing all this stuff and he, he, he jumped in and he says, literally compassion incarnate, Jesus is compassion incarnate. That was not an idea that was on the planet until Jesus. There was shadows of compassion. There was this idea that maybe there could be, you know, something coming in the future. But that thing that says the strongest would give up for the weakest that was not in all of the stories of the gods of Greece. That was not in any of the Babylonian tales about their gods and origin stories. Everything about compassion, the, the fittest coming for the weakest, the one who would come to serve, that was completely centered and unique in Jesus. For us now, we're like, that's normal. The hero gives up his life for this because we've been living for 2,000 years in Jesus in our time. He created that compassion incarnate when he came. There was hints of it out there, but nothing was clearly this giving of yourself for another like Jesus. I know that maybe there's a little bit of deep dive on that, but that was the idea. They didn't get any of that. Even the Aristotle and Plato and Socrates, they would say things like, if you were weak, you should be ruled. If you were strong, you should rule. Basically, that's the, the law of nature. And the law of nature was not Jesus' design. That was not God's design. There's a lot of brokenness in there. So he came to restore that and first and foremost, be compassion incarnate for us. Wasn't like the, the first thing that Jesus came and did after he came out of the wilderness as he prayed or kind of read Isaiah 61. He's trying to start his ministry and he says, I, the sovereign Lord, the spirit of the Lord is upon me that I will make, you know, the prisoners free, that the wipe tears from the eye, the blind will see. I will declare the favor of the Lord. It has happened here now in this time in me. And everybody freaks out. They're like, yeah, can't be, that can't be true. That's not the reality that we live in. That can't be possibly true. But Jesus incarnate says it's fulfilled in me right now. So if we're picturing the body of Christ, the first thing I would say about the source and the example for us is that he's asking us and forming us to be compassion incarnate here, now. He's adding people, a diverse people together for here and for now to be compassion incarnate like him. Even if it's a foreign idea, even in places where it doesn't make sense, I just think that's cool. The, the fittest would sacrifice for the weakest. That was Jesus. That is Jesus. So the gift really does come down to helping each other grow, helping each other be whole, helping each other walk into places of healing. I tend to think maybe you know, Drew could correct me, maybe it's a theological thing that somehow you can grow in the body of Christ outside of the body of Christ. Um, I don't think that's true, but you know, it, it basically, it's, it's very clear that God, Jesus is trying to form a body that he is in and that we're full of him. So if we say we wanna follow him and we wanna grow with him, then we have to grow in the body of Christ. So Paul's trying to convince this group of really diverse people he even previously says, you're no longer slave, no longer Greek, all these things. I'm trying to convince you that each part has a special work. 
all the parts grow together so that the whole is healthy and growing full of love. So he's gonna dive more into that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. I've got plenty of time, all right. Let's go. This one's the funny one. I think this is sometimes a funny set of scripture. There's, Paul says, he gets sarcastic and he says these kind of rhetorical things. So there's a bunch of Paul rhetorical things in this section. But if you wanna jump in with me, I'm on 1 Corinthians 12 and I am starting in 12 and my notes say, read from the Bible. It's like easy, because that'll just preach, you know, just the word, but we, we can take some time and, and highlight it. This is really good. So he's, here's the metaphor, I'm trying to show you, this is what it's like. You can hear Paul just like desperately trying to explain to these people from all over walks of life. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. We're like, okay, I can get on board with that. Now here's Paul and he gets a couple rhetorical questions in here. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that make it any less part of the body? And we all say, no, Paul. <laughs> and if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less of part of the body? No, Paul. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? He's trying to be like, come on. The diversity of the body of Christ is what makes it beautiful, it, what makes it work. It's what makes it grow, not just individually, but collectively. It's like, come on, let's get this. So he's saying, well, how does it look for the body to live together, for the body to kind of grow? And it, it, right off the bat, diversity is required. He'll list some roles here as we read, but the higher ideal is that there's a whole bunch of parts. Even when he lists parts, the higher ideal is that there's many parts. They're not all listed here. The diversity is required in order to operate in a healthy way. I believe that Paul's trying to say that the differences become a value instead of a pathway for criticism or disconnection, right? And I know that can be like, here, we're the, here's a woke thing to say. We're just gonna be like, that's not, this is, this is a completely supernatural way of living. The strongest never gives up for the weak, you know, just for fun. That's a Jesus thing. He started something, it's supernatural. So this story of how we grow together is so much further beyond than just a human understanding of like equality. Jesus is equality. Jesus is equity. Jesus is consent. He is compassion incarnate. All those things that were part of our society now were started in him. So he's like, okay, a diversity is required. But then he continues and he's talking about how different parts are compared to each other, how different parts are honored or not honored. But our body has many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. Just where he wants it. That's one of my favorite parts. 
just where he wants it, just where he wants you. There's a design to his placement. I could have been born at any moment in time. I could have made a thousand different decisions to not end up right here or be over there with you or be in this relationship with this person. Someone was saying there's a huge, this website where you can calculate your basically uh, probability of existing at this moment in time. You know, it's like, it's a Google thing and you can type it in and you're like, it's one billion to one that I could exist in this moment right here. You know, and I'm like, well, that's, it's a number. It's a number that no one, it's like so far beyond our numbers, right? But that's a design. That's a Jesus design. Just the way I want it, just the way he wants it. He has put every part where and when he wants it. How strange would the body be if, if it only had one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. So he's talking about this idea of kind of pride or self-righteousness is basically what he's pointing to. Like, hey, when you all get together and you think that guy's the one that's the real or that gal's the one that's really got all the goods, you should just all be like them. What does that sound like? I mean, like, come on, like, that's a lot of our churches everywhere. That's, that's what I do. You know, I want to copy this person or speak like that person or act like this person. That's like that kind of pride self-righteousness, that honoring of one part above all others that is infiltrating this place, but it's infiltrating trying to screw up and divide and redesign the body of Christ. That's basically what I believe pride, self-righteousness, it just wants to change the design. Instead of the design is Jesus, the source says, this is what it looks like, compassion incarnate. I'd actually rather it be, look like this, and it's subtle, and pride might be like, hey, yeah, actually, that's not a great design. What if we just followed how this person looks or this person acts? That's a little bit better. They can be the source, not Jesus. They can be the head, not Jesus. Man, I, I've been, uh-oh. <laughs> we don't get to choose the design of the body. That's the, that's the bottom line. Put each part just where he wants it. I mean, that's pretty clear. He wants it there. So if I want to change the design of the body or my place in the body or that place, I'm really trying to resource, rechange the source, rechange the design. So I, I really want to, I want to dive in this. It's going to get a little bit rough and get better, okay? <laughs> we will talk about being hurt by the body of Christ. Don't hear any of these parts where you're like, but I really got hit. How do I even operate here when they've really hurt me? I'm with you and we'll talk about that. But I believe there are places that we've decided and we've picked up things of the culture that says this looks better as a design. We want to redesign the body of Christ differently. And just one example, but something that's super, super on my heart. is that I believe that in some ways, and, and this is gonna be a little bit tough, that the married life has become part of uh, an, an idol structure within the church, okay? Now, it's, I'm, I don't believe, I believe married life is beautiful. I'm married, 
it's a picture and it's a covenant. It's a sacrament. It's a real picture and lived out sacrament of the bride, Christ, the bridegroom, everybody coming to get that kind of connection. It's supposed to be within us. It's supposed to be represented with us. But the kind of cultural thing is that you are half a person until you find the other half. Culture says that, that you're half a person. And then we pick that up in the church and we say, hey, until you find that perfect one, oh yeah, you know, like Mr., Mrs., then you can be a whole part that whatever part you're supposed to play, then you're a whole part to be played. And I just wanna speak, if your context right now is single, you're, you, know, you could be never married, you could be divorced, widow, whatever it might be, from a married person in the church, hear from me, hear from us, hear, you are so valued. We need everything that you have. In fact, Paul talks about you being the A-team, you being the one that leads the way in so many places. So we wanna invite that into what our families look like. Family of God, Nisha's gonna be talking about in the future. It's, it's a little bit different than what our physical families might look like. There's parts that are connected, but I wanna invite the people around my life, not just married or single, but following Jesus, pushing me forward, helping me grow. So if that's you, just let's pull that off. We need you. You're not half a person waiting for wholeness. You are fully, be, fully capable, functioning member of the body of Christ. You have a place and you have an honored role. And we refuse to pick up culture's thing that would say something else. You're half a person until you figure it out. That's not true. And that's probably, uh, I'm, I'm sorry for saying that. I'm, I've probably had that and joking around with a friend. I think that pride or that redesign can sometimes cause us to hurt people and whole groups of people. I know that's a little tough. Paul talks about these comparisons and maybe that was you. You're single and you're comparing yourself to this other situation or maybe it's me, I'm married, I'm comparing myself or maybe it's me, I do this or you, you do this and we start operating in these huge cycles of comparison. We've been talking about this for a few weeks with our youth and uh, they get it. They kind of like it's forced in their face all the time like none of us ever had this kind of social media that's a constant cycle of comparing what you are and this and that. It's like that, that equation is all the time. But those cycles for me have not led me anywhere. The comparison, the back and the forth. And I believe that in the body of Christ that unhealthy comparisons cycles can be confronted. We can confront those with each other. We can recognize it in each other. I think I had maybe a hundred people encourage me, hey, I can't wait for you to share Sunday, Andy. And I would like to bottle that up and make it like a pre-workout drink because <laughs> all they were helping me would do was just don't compare, Andy. Like, just don't compare. We're, we're, we're fine with who you are. And, and, it, and having people around you that say the same thing, I'm, just don't compare, Drew. Just don't compare, Andrea, whoever, don't compare, Dane. Just don't compare. 
You know, like don't, the unhealthy comparison. Don't, don't jump into that cycle. We'll help, we'll help you walk through that. That's the body of Christ. I mean, I spent huge times of my life doing that and all it did was kind of press out all the joy that I could have in partnership with people until it's like all that's left is like consternation and frustration and discouragement. Who wants the joy pushed out of their life? Comparison wants to do that in the body of Christ. He's talking about it here. He's like, should, should I be an I or should I be this? Or what about, what if they're that? I mean, we could all be eyes. It'd be great. We could all be, no, no, we, we have a diversity of roles. And I think in that place, it's really easy to defer and downplay your spot in the body of Christ. We need people around us to help encourage us that, that we shouldn't take part in writing off any part of the body. I can't just figure it out. I'm not perfect. I need people around me to help me like, hey, Andy, it seems like you might be writing off that part of the body, that connection or that ability for you to grow, that ability for you to be healthy. That's what we do with each other. It helps bridge those chasms that I've kind of put in my head like, no, don't need that. The body helps bridge those, compa- those uh, what was it? What chasms. chasms, that's it, yes. The body bridges the chasms. That's a weird phrase. <laughs> and they push me and say, there is one role or there is a role, there is a place that cannot be replicated by another. So I have to take up my spot. I have to take up my place, but I need people around me to encourage me to do that. That's why it's a back and a forth. It's a giving and receiving. I know there's some people, even the unseen roles, sometimes can seem it's really easy. Like, here's the guy standing up front. Here's a guy talking up front. And we're like, there's a role. I can see that one. I should honor it. But what about all the diverse ways that we are taking our place? I have a friend, Debbie, and she had a huge passion for families and at-risk families, at-risk kids, and seeing that the government and the foster system is kind of rough. And once you get into it, it kind of spins you around. And it's really hard. And she's like, what if, what if there was some way that we could kind of bridge the gap and maybe even preemptively help behind the scenes, not up front, but behind the scenes to help people have a, a, a place of safety and comfort around that traumatic moment in their life. Like we got kicked out of our apartment. Like I'm having a kid and I actually... My husband's not around and I kind of got to provide for this. I don't know what to do, making those ends meet. And so she finds this uh, kind of um, ministry or idea called Safe Families. And she's like, that's what we should do, Andy. We should do Safe Families here at Living Waters. And I'm like, sure, just fine. And she finds all these people. Hey, come, come help. I could help you over here. You, you know, we could help. And she's connecting behind the scenes. And it can be very easy to not honor that because you don't see it. I mean, I would love for you to know about it. I have pamphlets out there. It's awesome. <laughs> you know, I have my buddy Jesse over here. Jesse leads from his story of testimony to help minister to houseless people in our valley at the coldest times of the year. He brings the burritos and he gets clean laundry. Like he makes breakfast burritos at his house. 
just gets and then does donations from other people so that that can keep rolling, especially. And it's definitely behind the scenes. No one even sees it. I mean, he doesn't, I see it. There's people that are unseen behind the scenes, but there's even more than that, not just kind of really, that's compassion incarnate, right? But there's people like, I have a friend who's like a scientist, a brilliant scientist, insanely smart. And he, he writes me these stories and these things he's thinking about, and it just expands my mind. And I'm like, Paul, he can, he can explain things I had no idea, um, these massive truths. And it's like, oh man, I needed that body of, the, of, the, of Christ to help me in that. Oh, and then he un- unfolds this huge thing. I have friends I know that are brilliant thinkers, that are gifted scientists, that are medical providers fighting for healing in healing, compassion in the process. We have all these different bodies and these different roles. Paul lists some roles here, but it doesn't say like, just honor the pastor on the stage. (laughs) He lists all these things. This makes for harmony among the members that all members care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer. If one part is honored, all parts are honored and glad. So, I don't know where you fit. I can't, no one's telling you here. That's not what we do. We ask the questions with you and say, we'll be with you on the journey. But what, that what do you look like fully alive is taking your place. So as you're in the giving, receiving mode, now how do we take that and let that become part of our mission of life? And why is that important? Why is that valuable? We come from all walks of life as the body of Christ, and we could be highly divided, but he puts us into this place of unity. He's trying to explain something to us. So I'm gonna jump back to Ephesians, all right? That's gonna be fun. I don't mean to just joke. I know Ryan jokes a lot, so maybe I can do it. Drew does too. Drew, Drew makes voices. He has his different voices. Let's read, let's read what Paul says again, back. He says, I, as a prisoner of the Lord, this is in 4, 4. Excuse me, we'll jump down, 4, 4. 4, 1, excuse me. As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Becoming the body, being compassion incarnate, stepping into this fully alive life, and he gives some tips. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, because there is one body and there is one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, and one Lord and one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father above it all, who is over and in through all things. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's love and compassion to the world. The moment his arrival, he was composing and mixing us together. The word even says tempered, which is such a cool way. Like it's composed. I put the body together. I tempered it. It's like there's some kind of blacksmithing going on where like it's greater than the sum of its parts almost. And like, whoa, isn't that the body of Christ, right? More than just the sum of its parts. 
the moment of his arrival, he was composing and mixing together a group of people with whom he is filling with himself in order to fill the whole earth with tangible compassion and love. So it does not matter how much we, how much we grow together, how we talk to, so it does, excuse me, it does matter, geez. It does matter how we grow together. That was a typo. It really, really matters how we grow together, how we talk to each other, how we honor each other, how we grieve and suffer, suffer with each other, how we hold the tension of different viewpoints, how we make space for people in our lives to walk alongside and learn about Jesus, to come to know him. If we never made space, that's one of the greatest gifts of the body of Christ, just to go like this, push out your arms, maybe we're the biceps of the body of Christ or something, I don't know. And we're pushing out and we're making a little space. That's what this is. This isn't the body of Christ. This is, this is one expression. This is some tools we use so we can be equipped to go out as the body of Christ or for people to maybe ask a question about Jesus. I've never heard of this guy, but all these people seem okay. I'm going to, I'm going to take another step with Jesus and we go like this. Let's push up some space so Jesus can just talk to you and we can get out of the way. That's, that's a gift of the body of Christ. It all matters because the body of Christ is the tangible in the flesh demonstration of Jesus' compassion for this world in our generation. I hope you get that there's a giant redemption story that's been going on and has finished in Jesus, but it's like the chapters are written and the sequel is us. They're going, we're going forward, we're going forward. We're in the redemption story. You are not small and insignificant in that. Even if your spots of circumstances are tough, even your spots where you've missed the mark, or even in spots where you've become disjointed with the body. I feel like when I've been hurt by the body of Christ, that it's a lot like just getting disjointed. I get out of joint. I don't know if anybody's know. I if anybody's had an ACL uh, knee surgery. I had that, and it was about four years ago. And speaking of disjointed, that just kind of that's a joint, and it gets messed up. For me, it wasn't my knee that went bad. It was my ankle. So I was riding with my friend Pete and we rented these amazing like top of the line mountain bikes that made us feel like we're top of the world, we're the best. So what do you do when you have a bike like that? You ride down Mount Ashland, you wanna jump stuff. <laughs> but I'm in my late 30s and that's not a good idea. So I, I'm racing down, I jump and I just crash and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure this out, I'll put my foot down. Put my foot down, rips my ankle, about breaks it, but it doesn't break it, about breaks it right? And then it just never healed. So like four years, it doesn't healed. Then I'm playing basketball with my son. We're at the city league. I'm running down the court. I'm like, I'm going to pull up for a J. This is going to be sweet. A jump stop. You know, that perfect triple threat. Anybody play basketball? Like you, you're getting like, I could do anything. I could pass. I could shoot triple threat, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that triple threat wasn't there. Cause my knee just went Boom, and my ankle felt the instability and rolled. Then my shin felt the instability, kept going. And Jarek thinks it's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> and you, you guessed it, the disjointed 
the broken, he, unhealed part just rolled over, took my knee with it, ripped it to shreds. I'm rolling around the ground. My friend Kyle was there and he's like, don't move, Andy. I'm like, no, I'll drive home. It'll be great. <laughs> Turns out it wasn't great. And I had like years of rehab and it still hurts and I have to, you know, do different things. But the idea that disjointed places can be places where injury can conter- can incur uh, can occur in the body of Christ. If we allow ourselves to stay disjointed, it gives potential for deeper injury and deeper pain and deeper hurt. Even though there was pain and there's hurt that maybe even caused it, like my rolled ankle, there was pain and hurt there. It's a lot like my knee, right? I believe that those hurts that you and I have experienced from the body of Christ, I mean, I took the last three or four years and I, if I'm sitting by myself, me and Jesus, and I'm considering what I think about other people in the body of Christ, it wasn't always the prettiest thing. I definitely would pick up my judgments and form a lot of things because I didn't have a very big picture of the body of Christ. I kind of was just thinking of these little things. And so this morning, it, to close and to have a chance to maybe just listen and respond for yourself, um, even if you've had hurt and disjointed places, I believe Jesus wants to join us and, and heal those and continue to heal us into this coming season because the division and all those different things, it's just gonna be always there. It's, it may, we could say it gets worse, it gets better, but it's, it's gonna stay there. We came from all these places, no longer slave, no longer Greek, no longer Jew. We are now one unified in Christ. He is filling us and making us a people that's peculiar in the world because the strong for the weak, because compassion first, because serving first, because giving and receiving is important, because comparison is no longer our story, because pride and idolatry are replaced by humility, no more self-righteousness. Those are all the things we, lo- we would love to see in our life. We want that to see in our body. We need each other. So, oh, there's a mic over here. I'm gonna sing a song because I like to play my guitar. And the worship team has played a lot this weekend. I asked them to do it, but then they were like, can we not learn another song? Yeah. Could we not learn another song? That'd be great. Let's see, did I put the... But this, this one for me is a, uh, it's just a question song, bunch of questions. And for you and for me in this space, sometimes melody and word poetry can cut and go deeper because it's like praying twice. When you pray, tw- when you sing is praying twice, you got your melody and you got your words. They kind of interact together. I would like to invite you just to take a second. I'm gonna put the lyrics on the screen. This is not a sing-along. This is just a, a think-along, a, a consider-along, and ask a question together-along. It, it's, yeah, it's funny at the moment to hear the song and you're gonna start crying because that's what I do. <laughs> but this song is, is called, What If Jesus? So I'm gonna play it. And we're gonna pray and we're gonna continue to be the body of Christ and continue to step into places we should and not defer, all those different things. But let's take a few moments. This one's kind of, 
going to have a, a little bit of heft to it. So let's check out the lyrics. I'll put this down. We'll swap over here. Thank you, John. Say close your eyes, but don't. Just look at the lyrics. <laughs> and what if Jesus is okay with letting parts of him remain a mystery? What if Jesus is just smiling when I think down here, I must know everything. What if my views don't reflect his fullness? And there's still so much more of heaven left to see. What if trusting him is what he's looking for? Would that be good enough? good enough for me and what if Jesus sees what I miss and he does not share all my thoughts on politics what if his body bridges these chasms that I have dug out in my own self-righteousness. And what if people I don't agree with are the same ones who are pouring their perfume on his feet? What if Jesus gets the whole of his reward? Would that be beautiful? beautiful to me and what if Jesus desires mercy while I'm busy judging others for their deeds cause if I have his his heart and friendship then I must know he loves the liars and the thieves. What if I spend life in his vineyard and at midnight he redeems my enemies? What if trusting him is what he's looking for? Would that be good enough? Good enough for me. And what if Jesus, his wedding table, holds the ones who have hurt and wounded me? What if I'm seated in the middle? Well, at the head are some who've only 
Jesus, we are your body, and we say you are good enough for us. We say you are our source, and we commit ourselves to each other, whatever process that is and how we're having to heal. If we're healed and we know where we're supposed to go, we're gonna start giving out. If we need a season of receiving for that wholeness to take root in us, We, we come humbly to you, Jesus. Thank you for this body of Christ that is over the entire planet right now. Ones we may even call our enemies, ones we may not agree with. Give us a huge picture of your body. 2,000 years of being formed together to make compassion incarnate a reality here on earth. We choose to jump in, God, and we just love you. We say amen together, amen. So good to be with you. Thank you for hearing my silly jokes and thanks for being part of this family, this community. <laughs> Woo! We have Abide this week. Nisha's gonna be sharing, it's gonna be amazing about the family of God. Oh, about the family of God. Have a great day. Go get your kids from wherever they need to be. Enjoy some sun. You are loved, loved, loved. <laughs>